and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, now I'm joined by Gito Llewellyn, who you may know from his work with the Carmarthen Journal and from um, the Jackcast, which is a great Swansea podcast. He's also on here uh, a fair bit when he can. Uh, Gito, this was a very strange season for Swansea. You had loads of managers, player movement. There was a lot going on. But at the end of the day, you have secured Premier League play for the 2017-18 season. And I assume if the season hadn't happened, if you would just been told at the start of the year, you're going to be in the Premier League next season, you would have been fine with it? Yes, but if that had happened, I would probably be in better health now than uh, I am at the moment. <laughs> it's been a taxing season. Um, it's been an eventful season. I think I think Swansea could have a fair shout for being the most eventful club in the Premier League this season. Uh, we've had a lot going on. Um, all started with a chaotic summer and a, an unpopular takeover, which really messed up our transfer plans and meant our preparations for the season were awful. Um, we started, we had a difficult start to the season and, and didn't really cope well with it. Sacked our first manager, rightly, but in a very undignified fashion. And uh, we got rid of Francesco Guidlin and brought in the famous Bob Bradley, um, who will go down in history as one of the worst managers in Premier League history. Um, And uh, then, of course, we sacked him pretty much midway through the season when we had 12 points. um, And we were rock bottom of the Premier League. having witnessed some of the worst defending ever seen on a football pitch. Um, and at that point, we thought we were dead and buried. We thought there was no hope of, of survival. We'd won three games. Uh, we'd just broken a record for losing th- four consecutive games by a three-goal margin, which no other team had ever done in Premier League history. Uh, we were shipping goals at just the most ridiculous rate. Um, and, and there just didn't seem to be any hope. And then suddenly Paul Clement comes in. Um, we always felt that was a, a positive appointment, but not one that could really realistically keep us up. But lo and behold, he brought in a few um, a few decent players in, in the January transfer window, um, got some big wins early on, got us out of the relegation zone, took us back into the relegation zone with a, a big dip in form just as Fernando Llorente got injured. But then just when we absolutely needed it, when we had that final chance, really, to, to, to take a fight of it, we, we did. And for a club which had shown incredible mental fragility um, throughout the season, um, somehow we managed to hold our nerves and, and Hull, who had looked very impressive, uh, lost their nerve, um, which is not something most people would have predicted. But it just shows how quickly th- momentum can swing in football. Um, you know, there was that one weekend when uh, Hull incredibly lost to Sunderland, and then later on in the uh, the same day we we beat Everton, and suddenly that that shift happened, and and we never looked back and and managed to see out the season, mm. um, and somehow we were safe with with a week to spare. Um, it was a season of ups and downs, a season of incredible frustration for the most part, but somehow we've stayed up and and ended up in the respectable position of 15th somehow yeah that that weekend was absolutely incredible uh 
I missed the start of that match. Um, I was out to a, a coffee shop with a couple of my friends because matches happen in the morning here. Uh, and I watched the second half on my phone and just slowly had more people just like scooching around just an iPhone screen watching the second half of that as you tried to hold on to that lead. It was huge. It was a, it was a great, great weekend. And as has been pointed out to me, apparently uh, my Swansea bias is not that well hidden. Um, so was very pleased that you did stay up uh, in the end. Uh, you touched on Bob Bradley, who we did a segment when he was brought in, and I said he was Tim Sherwood ask, but maybe not with not as good tactics. And that terrified you. And then that wasn't wrong. Um, <laughs> what has been the reception towards the American ownership after that kind of forced move, but then the later admittance of mistake making and then correction with Paul Clement? I think your exact quote was. Bob Bradley was he was Tim Sherwood without the ego. Oh, um, yeah. Which, which, which again, it stuck with me ever since because it turned out to be so true. It really was so true. Um, that was a really, really bad period uh, in the season because nobody wanted Bob Bradley at the club. Nobody at all. Nobody thought his CV was up to scratch. Um, you know, since leaving the U.S. men's national team, he'd. Uh, had uh, a, an unsuccessful stint in Egypt, and then he'd, he'd done a bit of work in Norway, which is an incredibly weak league, really. Uh, and, and then he was in Ligue 2, which is, again, a very, very poor league, really. I watch a lot of Ligue 2 football um, this season, and, and it's it's not good, um, it has to be said. So it wasn't good pep- preparation for one of the biggest leagues in the world. And he came in, and he had no idea what he was doing from, from day one. Um, he, he kept on changing the side, in the in the vague hope that he would stumble upon a system which worked, um, there were no tactics. Um, he 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 had zero clue how to organise the team defensively, and his attacking uh, his attacking uh, tactics all pretty much revolved around winning corners and throw-ins, and then asking Gilfie Sigurdsson to do everything. Um, there was no organisation to anything we did. There was no real planning to anything we did. We, we looked so out of place in the Premier League. Uh, we, we actually lost by three goals to nil to Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough, a team that couldn't score against anybody else, scored three goals against us. It, it, it was just uh, incredible to watch the way we played under Bob Bradley. Um, that was a real, that was something that really turned fans even more against the American owners. And it, it threatened to get very nasty at that point. Because they weren't popular anyway. And then they come in and they appoint their own man in a pretty undignified manner to sacking Francesco Guidolin without much class um, in, 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 in the full glare of the media. Um, and then Bob Bradley came in and he was, he, he was just so awful. And I know, you know, there were some sections of, of the English media who tried to um, make it a lot, make a lot of it about his... Uh, his nationality and the fact that he was American. Um, I had to do an interview where um, they tried to put words in my mouth, basically saying, oh, it it doesn't help, does it? The the terms that he's using and the language that he's using. And it it was complete nonsense because Swansea fans really did not care one bit about that. 99% of our fan base did not care one bit that he was American. We've had people of all 10 nationalities managing the club. The problem was that he was just nowhere near good enough to be uh, managing a Premier League team. Um, 
and it, the the one saving grace was that he only lasted 11 games, uh, which I think is the second shortest tenure for a, a permanently appointed Premier League manager. Um, he, he he left just in time to save our season. I thought we left it too late, but he left it just in time. And the, and, and the appointment of Paul Clement gave the new owners that tiniest bit more credit um, because he was more typical of a Swansea City manager. He, 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 he was probably what we needed when we appointed Bob Bradley. Um, but for some reason, we overlooked Paul Clement at that stage and we, and we gave it to um, Bradley and it, it, it could have, and probably should have sent us down uh, if we're being honest. But that, that since then, relations with the American owners have improved considerably. They've acknowledged the mistakes that they've made um, they, they've admitted that they're still learning, that, they, that, that they're very eager to build bridges and they, they're making the right kind of noises at the moment, um, which is certainly not what they were doing in the first half of the season. So the ownership uh, situation and their relationship with the fans and with the Sporters Trust has improved uh, considerably since the Bob Bradley era. Um, there's still some way to go. There's no doubt about that. Um, but that that was a real... That that was quite a dark period in our history. Those eleven games under Bob Bradley—they were not good times for Swansea City Football Club. <laughs> Obviously not. Uh, when you say that things have gotten better with the ownership because of admitted mistakes, have, has the match day experience changed for Swansea fans at all under the new ownership? It, it's changed. Um, it's the one thing I'll say is that this season could very well prove to be a good one in terms of our fan base because over the last few years, I think. And it happens when, when clubs get promoted to the Premier League and, and they have a few comfortable seasons where they don't really worry about relegation. Um, fans can get a little bit complacent. Um, the atmosphere certainly wasn't what it used to be. Um, and um, this season, you know, it, the first half of the season, it, it turned very nasty. And there, were, there was real anger towards the new owners, towards the old owners. Um, towards Bob Bradley, you know that that was an unpleasant time. But since then, the fans have pulled together, and and, and the atmosphere has improved immensely. And towards the end of the season, again, just when we needed everything to go our way, um, that massive Stoke game that we had, where we had to win just to keep our hopes alive, really, the fans turned up that that day, and and they they kept they stuck with the team then for the for the rest of the season and. The atmosphere against Everton at home, the atmosphere against Sunderland away, um, the atmosphere of the weekend against West Brom. They're some of the best atmospheres we've had in, in years. They really are. Um, so I'm hoping just the kind of scare of relegation, the fact that fans really had to put up a fight and had to put in a bit more effort, it, it forced uh, fans to, to turn up, really. And hopefully it teaches us a lesson. That, you know, If we can do this when we're in, in you know right up against it, well, why can't we really put in a bit more effort in every other game? And hopefully it'll see us, you know, regain a bit of pride in our own ability to make an atmosphere and it'll, it'll re-energise the fan base. Um, there was some good news in terms of season ticket renewal uh, rates. I think it was about 96% renewal. And c- considering the first half of the season we had um, and the fact that renewal date stopped around about March, um, I thought that was quite an incredible statistic really and um, it shows that you know the fan base is as strong probably as it's ever been if we're being honest after after really being 
put through a test this season. That's that's been one of the positives from this season. Yeah, well, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how you carry that uh, into next season. But uh, for now, I want to shift to talking about a player that is obviously very dear to my heart, and I'm sure it has been to Swansea's, which is one uh, Gilfie Thor Sigurdsson. That's not a joke. That's literally his middle name. Um, just what has he meant to Swansea since rejoining? Uh, he's he's a hero. He's one of our all-time greats. Um, I think if you love football, you love watching Gilfie Sigurdsson play. Because he's just such a complete footballer. Okay, he doesn't have pace, but apart from that, he does actually have everything. I mean, his his set-piece taking ability is quite possibly the best in the Premier League, if we're being honest. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne would would have something to say about that, possibly. Willian takes a good free kick, obviously. But the consistency with which Gelfie Sigurdsson delivers world-class balls from dead balls. And, like, he will... He will get an assist from every possible position. Uh, the amount of times that we have scored this season from free kicks inside the centre circle or, or on the edge of the centre circle is astonishing. It's an appalling crossing position. And yet time and time again, he has managed to pick out uh, players in, in the box to, um, uh, uh, to to set up goals, um, which is something that no other player in this league can do, if I'm honest. But you give him a, a set piece and you always think he's going to create something. Um, but apart from that, I mean, his... His passing is incredible. He, he, his long-range shooting is amazing. Uh, his work rate on top of that is second to none. He, he runs more than any other player on the pitch. Um, and he's got this unbelievable intelligence. If he had any pace at all, he would be among the best players in the world. Um, but he, but he, he's, he's far too good to be playing for a team like Swansea. He really is. He's, he's, he, he's just kept us up this season. Without him, we would have been down. Without him, I'm not. I'm, I mean, God knows how many wins we've had this season. It would have been, I would have been able to count them on one hand probably. He's that important to everything we do, um, and and he's just his his overall demeanour too. It's it's fantastic. He is just a professional. He, he he's not. He doesn't make a song and dance about everything. He is just a nice guy. Gets on with the job. Um, when things are going badly and when he's having to carry the team, he doesn't really complain, but he does lead by example. And he's he's just a fantastic player to have around the club. But there has been a sense this season that we've sort of been trying to appreciate it as much as possible because we know there is um, quite a decent chance that he won't be here next season. Um, like I said, he's, he's far too good to be in a relegation battle. He should be playing European football. Um, and there is quite a lot of talk now that Everton could be lining up a bid, especially if they get rid of Ross Barkley. I think Gilfie Sigurdsson would be an enormous upgrade on Barkley. Um, and, and I do quite like Barkley in, in a strange way, but but Gilfie Sigurdsson is the complete opposite. He's a far more disciplined player. He's a far more reliable player. Uh, and, and He, he actually cont- creates. <laughs> he actually contributes more to a team than, than, than Barkley. I mean, Barkley will turn up every... You know, he, he'll, he'll do something fantastic every now and again. Gilfie Sigurdsson is somebody that does it time and time again. And you can rely on him to turn up pretty much every game. Um, so there is a... a we, we, we expect a struggle to keep holding him. He has said that you know, he, he's happy at Swansea and that he's not trying to leave the club. Um, but at the same time, realistically, you look at a player of his ability, why, why would he turn down an offer from Everton to, to stay at Swansea? As much as I, I do believe he, he loves the club and 
Um, you know, this is his second stint here. He's he's he is an absolute hero and always will be. But I, I just can't see him. I, I just really struggle to see him staying here next season. And my biggest hope at the moment is that if, as I expect, we will that we do sell him, that we do get full the, the full amount that he is worth. Um, because last season was a bit of a joke. We we sold Andre Ayew, who was our, our top goal scorer. Um, uh, for, we we sold him for twenty million in in an incredibly wild market where where you know a player like um, Suzuko could go for thirty million and and um, Balassi could go for thirty million and and kids who had a couple of minutes in the Premier League were going for multi millions. You know, to, to sell Andre Ayew for twenty million was amazingly short-sighted um, by the club, and 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 showed an amateur streak really in um, in in our summer dealing. So hopefully this season we'll see we'll see us get a, 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 a sensible price for Gilfie Sigurdsson, and that would mean that we sell him for a minimum of thirty-five million pounds. Anything less than that would be. Would, would would probably cause uproar in in uh, Swansea if I'm honest. He he, he is a, a 35 million, 40 million pound player. He is in that category. Um, and if if we sell him for less than that, then ah, oh, it, it would kill morale around the club. It really will. Um, but but he is just he's he's been head and shoulders our best player. Um, he he's been the best player in the bottom half of the Premier League easily. Um, you, I, I, I probably say he's been the best player outside of the top seven. Um, uh, he's he's been just a, a, a fantastic, a fantastic player to watch. And if if there's one player who's kept us up this season, it is him. Yeah, he's obviously been incredible in ranks of best seasons for Swansea players ever. Where does he fall? Um, I I actually argued the other day that he may be the best footballer ever to play for Swansea. Um, and obviously, you know, that's quite a difficult thing to, to argue because you have different different players from different eras with, who faced, you know, played in, in very different styles, etc. But w- when you look at what he has contributed for years, not just this season for Swansea, um, it's it's been incredible. And, you know, over the last few seasons, I guess we, we've had a few players who've had... Amazing one-off seasons, and uh, you know, thinking particularly of Michu, um, Wilfred Boney had, a, had an amazing year and a half year. Um, you know, we've we've had we've had the odd attacking player who's who's just managed to shine here in a in a very short space of time. Um, but Gelfie Sigurdsson is he's just he's just an incredible footballer to watch. Everything about him is is just fascinating, and if you are um, somebody who, like I said, if you if you are just somebody who loves football, you will love watching Gilfie Sigurdsson play. Um, but the stats back it up. You know there are plenty of beautiful footballers out there. The stats back it up. His his assist count. I say I think is I I I think he was second overall in the Premier League this season, which for a team right down the bottom is unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. I think he was behind Kevin De Bruyne, but I'm not too sure he was actually by the end of the season. Um, and, and he's pitched in with goals too. Um, he's he's just been fantastic, and he's he's in my eyes the best player that I've ever seen for the Swans, and I've been watching them since what 1999. We've we've seen six seasons of top flight football, you know. But I think he is the best 
football that I've ever seen pull on the white shirt. And I'll be very sad when he's gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, regardless of whether or not he does go, financially, obviously, it looks like he does. But those quotes do make it sound a little more promising for you. Uh, what? Where do you think you will need to strengthen uh, before the 17-18 season? Well, I mean... I'm, also, I would like to point out that at one point of the season, you said... Uh, Keep Sigurdsson and Lorente, replace everyone else. I assume it's not that drastic. No, it's not that drastic by now, but I, I still think we've got a lot of players in, in the squad at the moment who aren't up to Premier League standard. I think, it, I, I think it is important that we clear out a few of those players. I don't think it's going to happen. I think the impression we get from um, interviews with the chairman, Hugh Jenkins, since, since we clinched survival is that they are complacent and that they think, oh, well, we've stayed up this season, so we don't need a massive overhaul. Um, I think there are a lot of players there that I don't want to be relying on next season. The likes of Wayne Routledge, Nathan Dyer, um, you know, players who um, were good at one point, uh, were very good at one point, in fact, and have served Swansea very well, but we've we've held on to them for about two seasons too long. And they're now, they probably wouldn't get into most championship teams, but still... Wayne Routledge has played most get most of Swansea's games this season, um, which which is frightening. It tells you a lot about why we were where we were for most of the season. Um, I think we need we we do definitely need another centre back. That's it's it's an area that's improved um, towards the end of the season, but it's it's still problematic. Um, we probably need a right back to um, play ahead of Kyle Norton, even though. I'll admit I'm not Kyle Norton's biggest fan, but he has improved this season. But he's still, it's still an area where we should be doing better. Really, um, we need more defensive know-how in midfield. Um, we, we're still so reliant on Leon Britton. Uh, I mean, it's he. We, our form changed when he came back into the team, and he's 34 at the moment. Yeah, what would you uh, have? Four of your last five matches once he came back. Yes, we did. We yes, I think it was four of our last five. Yes. Um, mm. With with one draw in the middle there, uh, I mean that that tells you the difference. He just gets you playing better football. His his intelligence is just incredible. Even if his body maybe can't do what he's done for, and I, he's he's for years now been one of the most underrated players in the Premier League. He really is. He just makes us tick. Um, a, an incredibly intelligent central midfielder, but he's thirty four. You know how much longer can we rely on him? So we need somebody else who's got that little bit more defensive know-how and can pass a ball. Um, it's going to be difficult because Leon Britton's quite unique football in, in terms of style. There aren't many like him out there. Um, so it's going to be difficult. In terms of finding a replacement for Leon Britton, it's probably going to be Tom Carroll long-term that we're going to try and mould into that 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 uh, position. Unless, of course, we bring back Joe Allen, who is another fantastic fit for that position. Um but we need yeah a centre back, central midfielder. We also need uh, a right back and two wingers. Um, our wingers are uh, disgraceful. Um, the standard of, of our wingers is just appalling. What did you think um, of Narsing once he came in? He he's been he's been underwhelming, but I I keep him just because he's he's only had half a season. We need to see him. He, we've seen a few flashes, but generally um, he's not produced much um he's he had a very good game against West Brom when he came off the bench uh, and set up the winner and and looked generally dangerous but um for most of the season he's he's really flattered to deceive and when he has had a chance he hasn't really taken it um I'd like to I I'd, I'd like to hope well, I'd hope that uh, after a full pre-season 
that he would be better placed to to really um, settle in the Premier League. Uh, and there are a few players in the squad that I'd say that about. Borja is another one um, who fits into that category for me, although others disagree. Um, but but the other wingers we've got the likes of Montero, Routledge, Dyer, Barrow. They're not reliable. They're not players that are good enough for the Premier League anymore. They need to go, and we need at least two more wingers because it's it's a major, major weak spot in the in the squad. Those are the priorities, really. Those are the main areas that need to be strengthened. Fair enough. And uh, if you do address those needs, what what is the goal next year for the club, and what is your expectation as a fan? Just staying up again? Yeah, I think we've got ourselves into the position now where staying up is it is you know the the main thing every season but if you look at the premier league this season everybody outside the top seven has probably had that attitude um i mean i mean it's been pretty there are several clubs who've disappointed in the sense that they reached 30 40 points pretty quickly and then just said ah no we're fine we don't need to try anymore um which tells you a lot about the sort of aims and the aspirations of, of many clubs in um, in the Premier League at the moment. And, you know, if uh, Swansea stayed up this season with 40-something points, I can't remember exactly how much it was by now. Um, yeah, something similar again next season will be good, but in a less stressful manner. Um, but it's, it's going to be an interesting summer because last summer was so bad. It was so disastrously organised. Um, that the, this season we need a strong preseason. We need players to start the season fit. We need all our transfer business done early. Um, and you, you know, if we are going to sell players, then get get the right money for them and and reinvest it wisely. Um, if we do somehow manage to keep Gelfi Sigurdsson, um, there's no excuse next season. We should not be in a relegation battle um, because if we can keep Gelfi Sigurdsson and Fernando Llorente and add in one or two other areas, then we should not be in a, relega- in a serious relegation battle next season. If we do get rid of Llorente, uh, if we do lose Sigurdsson in particular, then it'll be difficult because he does the work of three players. Um, so it, it would... I, I don't even know if we'd be able to continue with the same formation. We, it, it, it would be really difficult to replace him. Um, and if we were to lose Llorente too, then again, that that's quite a lot of money then that you have to spend to find a replacement. Um, so it, it's a bit early to say, you know, how high up the table can we finish, etc. It really does depend on us keeping, uh, whether we can keep Sigurdsson and Urenti. But at this stage, I would expect us to sell them. And for that reason, yeah, survival again next season would, would do me just fine. But I just want to see a little bit more planning this summer and, and no complacency, which we saw last season, um, and, and because you know they've they've had their warning now, they can't ignore this warning again. They they have to learn from their lessons, and hopefully now the new owners will will see what we've been talking about and and, and will realise that um, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Now that we've uh, secured safety, there is still a bit of work to do. Right. All right. Uh, well, where can people find you uh, over the off season? Um, you can still find me at the Jackcast on uh, uh, Twitter. We can still be doing the odd podcast over the summer, even if we uh, can't keep up with weekly podcasts anymore. But we've d- just done our season review. That's up, and uh, there are um, a few entertaining moments there. 
uh, as well as several technical difficulties. Um, <laughs> but um, that's entertaining. Um, but yeah, just keep uh, keep a lookout at the Jackcast. And if you do live in uh, South West Wales, you can still read my weekly column uh, in the Carmarthen Journal. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much for your help uh, all season for coming on today and doing this. And best of luck to Swansea next year. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.